yes, it's Danny. Hello, everyone. It's Danny. Uh, just me right now. Uh, we have a bonus episode for you this week. Uh, there is no Danny in it. There is no Gabe in it. Solely David. And he is interviewing Olaf Storbeck. Olaf actually recently broke a story regarding Wirecard, which is a business in Germany very similar to PayPal. It's like a processing uh, service. Uh, you all know PayPal. You all know what that stuff does. Uh, and this was a huge deal because there was a, it was a fraud essentially over there that was like a, a big like accounting fraud. Apparently, according to David, the largest accounting fraud in post-war German history. So that's after World War II. Uh, it's more formally known as the Wirecard scandal. Uh, very, very compelling stuff, and just the amount of fraud that was happening was sort of uh, uh, unheard of, and also very goofy. There's a lot of weird characters in this. Um, there's there's actors. There's potential corpses. There's or alleged corpses. <laughs> there's there's all kinds of stuff in it. And without further ado, we'll just let David and Olaf get right into it. Well, everyone, uh, I am here with Olaf Storbeck. He is the correspondent uh, for the Financial Times in Frankfurt. Uh, Olaf, how are you doing today? Yeah, not so bad. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, so I heard about this uh, story with Wirecard, which from what I understand is kind of like a, a German PayPal for the American audience. Is that a, an accurate way of describing it? Well, I mean, that's how it used to be described. Now it, it's more apt to describe it as the German Enron, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not really a transition that any company wants to hear. That's uh, right. Yeah. But it's definitely so, one of Germany's, or probably the, the biggest post-war accounting scandal in Germany. One, wow. One of the biggest in Europe. Wow. And, and, and you say post-war because... Uh, pre-war there was just a lot of accounting fraud or is that just a, a well, it's, it's pretty difficult to to compare kind of uh, corporate scandals in, in in the 30s or, or 20, 20s uh, with, with the current state of affairs there were a big there were several big banking um fraud in germany in the in the 1920s late 1920s so it's 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 quite difficult to compare the magnitude so it's uh, to be on safe ground i think it, it, it's fair to say it's kind of in modern history definitely the biggest accounting fraud in germany wow and you know this uh for readers in there this story i've been covering uh, i've been looking at some of olaf's reporting on it and this has not you know when you think of accounting fraud this isn't necessarily the most glamorous type of white collar crime but this involves some pretty amazing uh, details. You know, there's a, a pornography transactions business in the Philippines. Uh, there is something called Project Panther. Uh, there is uh, attempts to take over Deutsche Bank, which is uh, one of the you know largest international banks um, in the world. So uh, this is a fascinating story. But to start off, uh, Olaf, can you tell me how did you uh, first uh, come into this story? We're, um, yeah, just, just tell us your first exposure to this. Well, I mean, the the, the Financial Times 
two colleagues of mine based in London, Dan McCrum and Paul Murphy, uh, started to report about accounting irregularities and 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 uh, Wirecard's numbers just not matching up uh, a few years back. So in, in, in 2015, Dan started this series called House of Wirecards. Back then it was on, on FT Alphaville, a financial blog, um, which, which is run by the FT, where he um, dug deep into, into, into details of Wirecard's accounting and, and um, described um, many things that didn't make any sense. And, and from then on, um, we were facing, we faced significant opposition and, and, uh, and, and counteraction by Wirecard, who, who strongly disputed um, all of the allegations and, and questions, but never really properly answered the questions then rose. Right. Um, and, um, and then later on, uh, uh, he got in touch with some whistleblowers um, at Wirecard who, who provided him with documents showing that in, in Singapore, where the Asian business, or parts of Wirecard's Asian business um, were based, um, they, were, they were cooking the books and, and then um, he, for, for almost two years, spent more or less his, all, all his time getting to the bottom of this. And, and I, will, as, as the Frankfurt correspondent, was basically, my job was to, to um, well, liaise with, <laughs> with the company. I mean, the, it, it was one of Germany's 30 largest companies in 2018. Wirecard wow. uh, um, was, became a member of, of the DAX, Germany's blue chip index, replacing Commerzbank. And um, yeah, that my role basically was um, <laughs> trying to do normal corporate uh, reporting about Wirecard and also do the reporting about the escalating conflict between Wirecard, German regulators and the FT, which, wow. which as it were, were a con consequence of dent reporting. Um, so then let's look at it from when you joined. You joined... Uh, the, the story, there was a, a very explosive story that came out late last year, from what I understand, uh, that there's evidence of that wire, oh, uh, October of last year, that Wirecard fraudulently inflated its sales and profits. Can, can you describe that story? That story in October was basically um, the, the, the final straw, which really... Um, uh, uh, broke the camel's back, you know, if 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 if, if you may say so. Um, so this story, in this story, we uh, Dan um, looked at uh, had access to internal um, client documents of Wirecard, a list of thirty-four clients um, which Wirecard um, was claiming to serve via an outsourced operations based in Dubai, and. Um, it, it, it turned out that of those 34 clients, uh, 20 didn't exist or had never heard about Wirecard. So then, in a, in a very meticulous um, uh, work, tried to chase down those those clients which were were listed in this internal document, and found out that that most of those companies um, had actually never done uh, any any business with Wirecard, and some of them didn't exist at all. Yes, some of them had gone out of business, um, and uh, previously some didn't exist at all, and others said they'd never heard about Wirecard and they'd never heard about this um, outsourcing partner Wirecard was using in, in, in Dubai. Um, 
and um, Wirecard itself disputed um, all of this. Um, they said they they uh, accused of us of of using fraudulent documents. At, at the same time, raised a lawsuit against us um, against the FT, accusing us of of breaching um, corporate secrets, which is a bit um, at odds with each other. So either the documents are for of yeah. or you're breaching. Um, uh, 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 corporate secret, but it's impossible to do both. Um, I, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and um, there, then all, all we, the FT also published the actual documents. So uh, unlike in previous um, instances where we just reported about the uh, uh, the evidence, this time uh, it was made available on the internet. So basically, the rest of the world could could take its own. Um, uh, could could look at the document and, and base its own opinion, and um, this then led to um, quite a significant. I mean, Wirecard downplayed all this, disputed it, said uh, it, it, it's all all wrong, um, and, and it's nothing new in it. But the the pressure internally from the supervisory board at Wirecard, um, which for a long time just didn't do anything, um, but but at that point had started a few new people had joined the supervisory board, and um, and we're taking the company to task, the management to task, to, at least to some degree. Um, they launched and an, uh, they, they mandated KPMG, one of the big four accountancies, yeah. with a, basically a special audit into Wirecard accounts um, and, and basically asked KPMG to look at, at, at these allegations, which then triggered a, a six-week, a six-month-long in, investigation. Um, and um, that was basically the, the 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 beginning of the end of of Wirecard's um, fraud. And at this point, why hire a if if there's evidence of you know widespread accounting fraud, which you know is basically defrauding investors, right? That that that's the core of the crime is falsely inflating their revenues and their you know how much business they have, and which is um, wouldn't that spark the scrutiny of German regulators or were, were they acting in tandem with the KPMG audit? Well, I mean, the, 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 the behavior of German regulators is quite um, outrageous in, in many ways because they uh, um, basically didn't properly investigate um, uh, uh, these allegations. Um, really? So um, the German, I mean, to some degree, it highlight the whole the saga highlighted significant shortcomings in Germany's legal framework with regard to such kind of balance sheet manipulations and accounting fraud, because really? that, that, that there is a body which which is. Um, basically mandated to look at, um, to, to double check co corporate accounts, but this body isn't really, doesn't have the resources and doesn't really have the remit to, to dig into potential accounting fraud, uh, turning to the company, look at the documents, and then look if everything is in line with um, current accounting standards. So, um, but they don't question if the documents are genuine uh, in themselves or not. Um, German wow. regulators in, in, in 2019 basically commissioned uh, such an investigation into Wirecard by this accounting um, watchdog. Uh, the accounting watchdog dragged its feet for, 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 for many months. After KPMG was commissioned by Wirecard, uh, the accounting watchdog basically said, okay, we will wait for KPMG's results before we 
um, uh, carry on with our own investigation. And um, up to this day, they haven't um, tabled their own, um, own own report into Wirecard. And I mean, oh KPMG, just to give you an idea of the kind of order of magnitude of, of basically uh, how, how inept this, this accounting watchdog in Germany is. It's a, it's a company, it, it's, a, it's a basically pr public-private partnership. It's not even a, a, um, a, a public body with investigative um, uh, power, but it's a public-private partnership which has like 15 employees and, um, and an annual budget of 6 million euros. And the KPMG oh investigation into Wirecard, which ended uh, um, in a bit inconclusive way, which I, we can talk about this later maybe, but mm -hmm. KPMG was having like 40 people on this, on this project and, and the costs are um, up to 10 million euros just for the oh one God. special audit, So, which, which shows how completely... Um, well, uh, out of proportion, um, the this accounting watchdog's uh, powers were. And, and so that, that, that name law, of that, yeah, that regulator is, called, is that Buffin? Is, yeah, well, the, Buffin is basically the regulator which, which commissioned this accounting watchdog. It, the, the accounting watchdog is called the Financial Enforcement, uh, uh, Financial Reporting Enforcement Panel, okay. FREP. Um, and um, one of the regulatory or political consequences of this whole scandal is that this body will basically uh, be dissolved and that Buffin will get it, its own power and competencies to launch its own investigations um, uh. right from the start. Because under current German law, um, Buffin can only take its own look either if the company wouldn't cooperate with this reporting panel or if the reporting panel comes to a conclusion and, and Buffin doesn't like or isn't convinced by the con con conclusion. But as long as this process is ongoing for the time being, Buffin doesn't have any, any real competencies. Um, the, another problem in the, whole, um, in the whole saga was that Wirecard wasn't treated, I mean, Wirecard is a payments processor. They're basically processing mm -hmm. credit card payments between merchants and, um, um, and, and, and clients, making sure that when you pay with your Visa or Amazon or, or, or MasterCard, um, uh, the, the merchant actually gets its money. Um, but it wasn't treated as a financial services company and wasn't properly regulated by Buffin. It was treated as a technology company. And yeah. only, only Wirecard's bank, which is a relatively tiny um, subs subsidiary of Wirecard, was directly regulated by, by Buffin. And um, it, in, it, later on, it, only, it, it, it became clear that nobody really, no, no authority in Germany was doing any anti-money laundering supervision of, of Wirecard AG, which, um, uh, and, and, and there was a lot of um, suspicion and allegations about potential anti-money laundering um, violations um, within Wirecard's business, but no German authority ever take, took a look at this. Wow. So in the... Uh if it's regulated as a technology company, then would there be some sort of due diligence? But I assume that because it's not a financial institution, they're not going to be doing these sorts of anti-money laundering 
procedures in the same yeah, you know, exactly. well, it's, 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 it, 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 it's a different body, which in theory would be would be responsible for to monitor that uh, it, it's a regional authority in Bavaria, uh, which doesn't have uh, the, 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 the power and the competencies and the know how to properly monitor a globally um, acting uh, a, a, a credit card company, which, which is operating globally. Um, wow. And the third or another um, uh, um, institution which really only um, woke, up, woke up very late uh, were, was the Criminal Prosecution Office in Munich, where my Wirecard is based. And uh, they uh, for a long time said, oh, we, we can only launch a criminal investigation if we have sufficient evidence that um, either there was crime conducted on German soil or crime by German citizens. And they, for a long time, just said, well, despite all these allegations and all these um, questions raised by whistleblowers, um, they didn't see the case to, to start an, a, a criminal investigation. And that was only started basically after Wirecard said, oh, by the way, 1.9 billion in cash um, in Asia never existed. Um, and after the, the CEO was uh, resigned. And, and wow. that gave... Um, the, um, the people basically orchestrating this fraud quite a lot of time to probably well tamper with evidence and and get get money out of the way and one of the key persons Jan Marsalek the number two at um, at Wirecard uh, was able to 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 abscond and and he's still on the run nobody knows who um, where where he is fascinating character I'd love to return to Marsalek uh, individually uh, down the road. And so just really quick on the German criminal office, the criminal prosecution of Munich, they needed Wirecard. Is it a German company? Yes, it's an incorporated uh, in Germany. It's listed in the German, on the German stock market. And its headquarters is in Germany as well? Yeah, its headquarters is in a, in a, in a Munich suburb. Um, and, so despite, and so despite the fact that there are whistleblower complaints going back with your colleague, uh, from 2015, or he's studying the accounting practices, and then whistleblowers start coming forward. After that, as far back as 2015, the criminal prosecution office in Munich still decides that that's insufficient. Yes, because the um, for for a long time the allegations didn't really uh, the misconduct wasn't located or wasn't done in Munich, but it was allegedly done in Asia, in in, in Singapore, in Dubai. And, and basically uh, jurisdictions outside Germany. That was always the way, um, uh, the, 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 the key argument of Munich prosecutors, why they said that they are not um, uh, um, able to, to launch an investigation, which is um, quite outrageous to some degree. I mean, the, the other thing yeah, is yeah. that, I mean, I, I, I mean, we started about, so then Dan's first, um, Big article, which basically eventually led to this KPMG investigation, was published in in January 2019. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, um, I was um, calling up all these um, all these different bodies we've we've discussed uh, with earlier and asking them, so are you doing anything? Um, and and everyone kind of was finger pointing to somebody else and. They, my impression at that point was, well, as long as you get the, the signature by your auditors who basically, um, uh, as long as the auditors sign off your books, um, you can get away with, with quite a lot. And, and, the, uh, and, and, and 
there, there aren't many institutions uh, around in Germany which which can uncover uh, accounting fraud at, a, at, an, at an early at an early stage. And I mean the the whole which we haven't mentioned so far. What the other out, really outrageous thing is that Buffin, while and, and the Munich prosecutors, while not really properly investigating the allegations. Um, Buffin filed a criminal complaint against two of my colleagues, Dan McCram in London and Stefana, Stefania Palmer in based in Singapore, who did the original reporting in in, in January, accusing yeah. them or suspecting them of of cooperating with short sellers and basically um, investigating potential market manipulations by, by by my two two colleagues, which is quite a. Um, Did they have any basis for the for those sorts of allegations? Not really. I mean, Wirecard or, or, um, basically d d presented so-called, uh, in inverted commas, facts or evidence to Munich prosecutors and to Buffin suggesting that those, um, that, 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 that there was collusion between FT journalists and, um, and short sellers, but this was all fabricated. And we now know that, um, we don't know it, but it's highly likely that Wirecard, I mean, then obviously before running these stories, post, put detailed questions to Wirecard. Um, so Wirecard was aware of, of the kind of reporting which was coming. And um, the big suspicion is that they leaked this stuff to, to short sellers because we knew even before our article was, was published, Dan and, and Paul Murphy, the, the head of the investigative team in London, were aware of leaks and were aware that basically in the London short selling uh, scene, people were talking about, um, well, uh, upcoming reports by by the FT on allegations against Wirecard and and and, and some people were taking um, big short positions um, in, in the run-up to these articles um, Wow but I mean, and, and Wirecard I mean, basically suggested this this was coming from us which it, it wasn't um, and the only other party involved and, and uh, aware of the these coming reports was was Wirecard and one one I mean piece of evidence or which strongly suggests this is that specifically London short sellers basically were saying, oh, there's an, on, on this specific day at 1 p.m., the FT is going to run a negative story about Wirecard. And 1 p.m. was the deadline then put to Wirecard to answer these questions. We And as, as you may know, we, we, we these kind of specific dates, are, especially with a, the with a story uh, right. publication dates, aren't, aren't, aren't um, discussed internally um, uh, beforehand. So, I, for instance, I didn't know when the story was coming, and and only like a handful of people, Dan, Paul, and the editors, um, basically knew about um, the, the precise timing, which wasn't one one p.m. That was the deadline given to Wirecard to respond to our queries. Oh, that's that sounds inculpatory, I guess, to say the least. Yeah. Yes, and, and these kind of short positions in the run-up to the uh, to the article, then by by Buffin and by Munich prosecutors, was basically um, these these positions were seen as as, a, as an evidence or as, as well at least basis for suspicion that, um, that, that that there was market manipulation potentially by by our colleagues. Which I mean, if, 
only like a few weeks ago, this long like two months after the insolvency of Wirecard, uh, this the, the the case against Dan and and Stefania against my two colleagues uh, was dropped by Munich prosecutors. So it was ongoing, even uh, quite a while after um, uh, after the company had had collapsed. I mean, if if it's if it's true that they were either setting up, setting up this short selling kind of operation. Uh, they would be betting against themselves. Uh, but like I mean, as we know yeah. now, um, uh, this whole this whole thing and it um, was really a, a criminal enterprise, and it, it was a run right from the top. So I mean, uh, uh, the number two um, is on the run. Yeah. Uh, several other. Um, uh, including the CEO, the former CEO, Marcus Braun, are in custody. We have to admit, uh, Marcus Braun is denying all wrongdoing and says he, um, he, didn't, he wasn't aware of anything, which is, um, I find it personally hard to believe, um, but, but that's his line of defense. There's one, one person who run basically this, out, this, this operations in Dubai has, has turned himself to, to Munich prosecutors and now is trying to become a crown witness and, and basically trying to cooperate with, um, with prosecutors to, to limit his own um, penalty. Right. No, I mean, it's, I mean it's not, what for me is what, what you're trying to say is that it would be, in, it'd be fitting for them to do something like that because, because it's like from some of the details that they're doing, I mean, they're, uh, from your most recent reporting on it, they were, you know, doing things like, you know, manipulating and lying about having a bank in, Sing you know, uh, an account in Singapore and then moving that to the Philippines before it was too lit, before, you know, Ernst & Young could get there or EY, um, and, but whatever, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, they also, uh, when they were, when people were following up, when I think it was KPMG was following up in the Philippines, they were even allegedly going further in some of uh, their, or Ernst & Young was, sorry, was looking at their Philippine scrutiny. Uh, and there was, you said that there was a suspicion that, they could have been paying actors to pretend to be employees and even potentially have, yeah. I mean, so so them short selling their own operation would be fitting with some of their press, with some of their other behavior, which is more proven. I mean, another thing which which they did, and and, and I mean the, the 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 suspicion and the suspicion of Munich prosecutors, as 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 we know from sources, is basically going beyond. What you earlier described in the, the, they them trying to basically inflate the balance sheet to to make the company look more attractive to investors. What they also did was raising a lot of debt from from banks and 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 external parties, and then giving hundreds of billion uh, millions of loans to opaque business partners in Asia, where it's it's not really clear. Um, what the purpose of those loans uh, was, and it, it potentially was just a means to get to, to 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 ship quite a lot of money out of the company. And they also did a did a over very overpriced acquisition in India some years back, which which is, was one of the most outrageous um, instances that that 
really led to suspicions and to, to significant and ongoing questions about what, what, what this management was doing. So they, they basically bought an Indian payments company for 300, for some 300 million euros, I think 340 million euros from the top of my head, which just six weeks earlier was sold for, for a fraction of, of the sum to, to the entity which Wirecard bought it from. Wow. And, and, and Wirecard bought it from a from a from a funds from from a from a Mauritius based entity where nobody knows uh, who the ultimate beneficial owner was and 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 the big suspicion obviously is that that some people involved in this deal on 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 the Wirecard side basically bought the company this Indian company paid like thirty four million euros for it um, and then. Why are this middleman? Why are this Mauritius-based uh, uh, entity sold it onto Wirecard for for ten times this money? And and in, in, in this way created basically, um, uh, um, yeah. So I sidelined like more than uh, three hundred million euros. I yeah, I, I hadn't heard about the this Indian uh, payments company. Do you know what year was that? It was twenty fifteen. Yeah, there was an ongoing. I mean, the uh, the the guys who sold uh, the Indian payments company for for thirty four million euros uh, were suing Wirecard, but they lost. That the, the case was struck down uh, in London um, just a few weeks before Wirecard, even after uh, earlier this year, let's say. Um, Going back to the timeline from you know late last year to this year, they had, you know, there was the report that came out. From you all, was was it you all that alleged that you just could not find where this 1.9 billion euro on its balance sheet was, or was that somebody else? It, it, eventually, it was um, EY, the um, Wirecard accountants, yeah. who, when looking at the or when when going through the 2019 um, results and and auditing them eventually grew increasingly suspicious about, uh, um, about about this part of the business. So the, we should probably, I mean, it, it's such a complex um, topic and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if, if, if listeners can, can follow here because it's, there are so many moving parts. But we should maybe look at the KPMG special audit first because that was quite remarkable in, sure. in itself. And, 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 and in a way, the, our reporting led to the KPMG audit. The KPMG audit led to um, to EY doing it made, doing its job properly for 2019, which then eventually uncovered uh, the whole fraud. So okay. after this this report by Dan in in October about basically um, well su suggesting that. The, quite a large amount of, of Wirecard business didn't really exist and, and the customers which were which Wirecard claimed was, was were, were responsible for hundreds of millions of, of revenue didn't they, they apparently didn't exist KPMG got this this mandate from the supervisory board basically was promised access to all documents they needed um, and and Wirecard you know, they, committed itself to to publish the report afterwards uh, in, in, in um and then kpmg started to work on this and basically um was stonewalled by the company's management um right left and center and wow. um so um they didn't get the documents they needed um the, the, the meetings were cancelled 
um, and um, why I can't excuse always was look we are dealing with these outsourcing partners in Asia it's not which we don't really control and those mm -hmm. companies what don't don't are not really really willing to cooperate with with a special audit so we we are not responsible for this it's all these kind of third party outsourcing partners who who we we don't really have a lot of control over which in a way is, is obviously quite ridiculous because these these alleged outsourcing partners were responsible for half of wirecard's or total revenue and basically all of wirecard's operating profit as we know now that, that that wasn't disclosed to the to to the public at all um it, it was only then uh, earlier in 2019 basically um disclosing that these opaque business partners basically existed and 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 that they were responsible for um, a large share of, of of the operating profit wow and so they um also right around this time when the kpmg audit th there was discussions of wirecard buying Deutsche Bank? <laughs> well, internal discussions. So Wirecard had this idea um, and, and, and commissioned McKinsey um, with the, to do a kind of scenario analysis and, and basically to develop an equity story for a potential um, takeover by uh, of Deutsche Bank by Wirecard. Um, I mean, at the time, um, the market capitalization of both of Wirecard and Deutsche Bank were roughly equal, so both were about worth about 14 billion euros on the stock market. Because I mean, Deutsche Bank sits on 1.4 trillion of assets, but right. it had a, because of all its own problems, yeah, the profitability and and legacy issues, litigation issues, and and all the rest of it, yeah, um, was only trading at. <clears throat> 20% of its book value and and like and on a, on a, on a, on a big discount and with the benefit of hindsight some advisors who were close to wirecard but not involved in this fraud basically suggested that this potential takeover of deutsche bank in a way was was seen as as one way out of this fraud scheme because i mean as if you run a big fraud scheme which at, 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 at by the end of 2019 you have close to two billion of cash on your accounts which don't really exist you you, you need to find some kind of exit strategy sooner or later or because i mean it's clear that such a fraud can't go on forever as we know i mean every Ponzi scheme is going to collapse at, at, at one point. Right. And um, what way out? If, and if, you, if, if Wirecard had been able to, to basically uh, acquire Deutsche Bank paying with its own shares, which were grossly overvalued, as we know now, but back right. then were trading on, uh, on, on multiples um, that relative to, to payment, to other payment uh, um, companies were relatively low even. So if they managed to get a, a clear bill of health from KPMG and then basically um, the share, go, share price goes, goes through the roof, they could have right. tried to, to, to acquire Deutsche Bank and then with the post-merger impairment charges somehow explain away those missing two billions. That, that, would, that would just come across as some a, a transaction cost that just kind of got lost and just kind of sweep it under the rug. Exactly. I mean, literally. I mean, that would be a, a laundering of of this of this missing amount of money. Yeah, potentially. I mean, and if you, I mean, Deutsche Bank is has has, has its fair share of its own problems. Right, and, and so at the same time, at the same time, is kind of systemically really important for for the 
German economy and as well for the global economy. So if you imagine yeah. this deal had happened and then the, the fraud had been exposed at Wirecard, um, we would be talking about a scandal uh, which, which would be even orders of magnitude bigger than than, than the, the scandal we are looking at at the moment because that then could have created a kind of instability for the for the for the whole european or potentially global financial system with, with Deutsche <laughs> that's amazing i mean that's really just like it would what it reminds me of is if like you know enron had bought citibank in 2006 Exactly. Well, and I mean, for, the pity for obviously for Wirecard's creditors and also for Wirecard investors is that after the insolvency, um, after filing for insolvency, it's very difficult to, to sue Wirecard for market manipulation and for damages as an investor because there's just nothing left. But had, wow. had they merged with Deutsche Bank, you could then, then Deutsche Bank's assets would be, would be there as well. <laughs> Um, and, 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 and Deutsche Bank would potentially be squashed by, by this kind of litigation wave uh, into Wirecard. So, I mean, it's a scenario which, if you think about it for, for longer, it can really give you nightmares. Wow. Yeah, that is, that is kind of hard to believe. Uh, and considering all of the other litigation issues that Deutsche Bank is encountering with some of its own uh, chicanery, to, say, to put it lightly, um, it would be a, a huge, huge, huge blow to the bank as well. And so, that was so. This just to 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 finish this thought. Uh, the the the, sure. the internal code name uh, of this takeover attempt um, of Wirecard of Deutsche Bank by Wirecard was Project Panther, and and they had a and and the interesting thing is that we we obtained a a, a slide deck by McKinsey which was dated uh, November fifteenth. So that the these. These plans or discussions were ongoing just after the KPMG had started to um, to dig into Wirecard's account. And, and so, I mean, but McKinsey could not be held liable for. Yeah, well, I mean, they they are in a way they are just guns for hire, aren't they? So if you ask them, if if Wirecard had asked them to 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 come up with an equity story of of a takeover of tesla probably they'd done the, the they'd come up with a slide deck as well but i mean sure i mean mckinsey doesn't have any doesn't have doesn't play any role in the in the fraud scheme and and also do you, do you think we, that they knew about the fraud scheme no no, no i don't think so i mean the other okay. thing which is interesting the the supervisory board after some new people I mean, the supervisory board of Wirecard. We have this two-tier system in Germany. We, we maybe you should should explain this to, to to global listeners briefly. Sure. So we have this in in Germany. You have the management board, with with basically the the executive directors are part of the management board, and then mm -hmm. you have the, the the supervisory board, which only consists of non-executive directors, which task is basically to monitor um, the. Uh, uh, the, um, the management board. And for a long mm. time, and, and normally of, of, of big German listed corporations, the supervisory boards have like 10, at least 10, 10 members. Normally you're talking about 20 members and quite a few subcommittees like an auditing committee and, 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 and several other committees. And Wirecard until early 2018 didn't have any committees in its supervisory board. And the supervisory board was just consisting of four people. Oh my God! Uh, and, and 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 those people were kind of all white, male, and stale um, guys who, yeah. who were on the who were on the supervisor board for like 
decade, close to a decade each. Was that Matthias? Yes, I mean, Wolf Matthias was, was the chairman. He, it's an old, I mean, it, it, it's a former um, banker who, who has turned 75 years old um, uh, this year, I think. And he, he was the chairman for, 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 for more than, for about, just about a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and only in 2018, there was some pressure from investors as Wirecard had become so big and so significant on the stock market um, to basically enlarge the supervisory board and get some external people in. And, mm. and, and that happened in 2018. And the, these new people basically commissioned McKinsey with a different um, project, namely to, um, to, to look at, at Wirecard's compliance functions and control functions. And McKinsey's verdict was devastating, basically saying they, the Wirecard doesn't have any, any working control environment internally. Oh um, and um, interestingly enough, then it wasn't McKinsey which got commissioned to, to come up to, to develop a scheme and to implement control um, functions, but it was PwC, another uh, big four accountancy, which at that point right. already was, was also the, uh, the auditor of Wirecard Bank, so which probably wasn't you, you you might wonder why they why they commissioned um, somebody who was also looking at the bank to um, to come up with these control um, functions. What would be so strange about having uh, you know an account audit from uh, two different parts of the business? So the problem is that I mean you have this this in a way this conflict of interest if you if you give advice to a company and audit them at at the same time. Oh, well, advice versus auditing. Oh um, wow, that is yeah, I see. What and you're I mean, with regard to EY, the the main auditor of Wirecard Group, Wirecard AG, um, there wasn't any, as far as we know, there wasn't any advisory services provided to Wirecard. But you had PwC, which was the new in in twenty eighteen. It was already clear that they will be the new auditors for of Wirecard Bank, and then they were also given this advisory mandate for for, for with regard to Wirecard control functions. I mean, they, they I tried see, to, see, yeah. to fix this by carving out Wirecard Bank from the control project and the compliance project, but it's an, it's an odd solution as well. I mean, sources to, suggested to me that McKinsey just was too expensive and, and PwC um, just made a, made a more competitive offer for this advisory pro- project, but it's still odd that McKinsey basically came up with the with the assessment and then somebody else got the project to 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 implement a better system wow and this project actually was never fully executed because wirecard went bust before pwc was was done with it so moving beyond the the corporate uh supervisory you know oversight and compliance structure let's look into what ha- what's going on in asia and with you know one of this marcelic uh second in command so first off, what what it looks like is that, uh, you know, there, there was it, it's KPMG is asking for, uh, what's going on, and for years it looks like Wirecard had been saying to EY that cash was in escrow in this Singapore OCBC. Um, yes, I think we should we should probably make sense to put this in this, into a slightly broader um, context. So okay. Wirecard always said. Um, and which is in 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 itself uh, a plausible argument that in legislations where it didn't have its own licenses to basically operate payments, they were cooperating with 
outsourcing partners, which right. which, which had these uh, uh, local licenses. Um, the, right. the, the, the the term they used was was third party acquiring uh, partners TPA. That's that's how it, shorthand for it. And okay. um, what what Wirecard never really properly disclosed what was that these so called TPA business. So basically, the business they allegedly outsourced and which wasn't under its under Wirecard's direct control accounted for half of the overall business and 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 for basically all of its operating profits while while the remaining core business uh, of wirecard was actually loss making as we know now that was never disclosed to um to the outside world um it's a huge i mean that's a huge uh misleading the public i mean that's, definitely yes um yeah. definitely and so for the tpa business why they they basically said okay we um we need to wirecard needs to um protect the, these tpa partners it's yeah. outsourcing partners from from the risks that are associated with these kind of payment processing uh, um, things so for instance if, if somebody pays with a fraudulent uh, credit card and uh, the whole thing gets recharged the tpa partner doesn't want to bear the risk and and hence wirecard had to provide um, cash basically to to protect these partners from from this to shield these partners its partners from these risks and this money was ba they they told uh, its accountant was 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 um, sitting on escrow account in asia on at, at ocbc one of singapore's biggest banks um, okay and um and the weird thing, which which was always confusing when I learned about the structure from, uh, which I found always confusing, was that at the same time, this escrow accounts not only had the purpose of shielding these these business partners from this risk allegedly, but they were also used uh, to to basically clear the fees Wirecard was 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 supposed to be getting from the TPA partners for this uh, for this whole business. So why basically the TPA partners paid Wirecard a fee. Um, uh, and, and that's how Wirecard allegedly generated revenue and generated profit from from this. From the oh, business. that's that. So, so the money is allegedly both protecting yes the third party and also is a way for the third party to collect money from Wirecard. No, 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 to pay money to Wirecard. So basically, to Wirecard. those, oh, those okay. TPAs okay. basically were contractually obliged to pay Wirecard to basically um, fees. Uh, for, um, because Wirecard basically handed over business to them. Ah, uh, I see. I see. These I TPAs see. collected fees from the from from the other parties involved in these card processing um, business, and 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 a fraction or, or some some part of this fees ended up at Wirecard supposedly, but but those fees weren't paid supposedly. to Wirecard account in Germany, but they were also paid on these escrow accounts in Singapore. Okay, I see now. So um, and so and. The, the the and 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 the weak link and the, the basically the, the the core of this fraud scheme was that these escrow accounts or Wirecard told its auditor EY that these escrow accounts weren't held by Wirecard but were were held in the name of a trustee mm -hmm. who was based in Singapore mm -hmm. and who and this person basically had a banking relationship with OCBC allegedly. So mm -hmm. when double checking, 
Yeah, um, yeah. Shen, as everyone calls, <laughs> calls this. Good. Nice Citadel was yeah. the what the name of of of, of the company. Okay. Trustees. Okay. Yep. Yep. Allegedly. Um, um, so Wirecard basically didn't have access to the uh, or told EY look because it's not our we are not those are not our accounts so we don't have access to the account documents we can't go to um, to OCBC to get a balance sheet confirmation um, but they basically received these balance sheet confirmations allegedly from the trustee and and handed over only these documents. Which, which were basically issued by the trustee to EY, which, which EY then accepts it as proof of, the, of, the, of this money on, on, on these escrow accounts. Mm. So, and, and this, there are two problems with this. First of all, obviously, accounting 101 would be only to rely on documents, the account itself himself uh, obtained from the bank rather than from a third party. Right. Um, and the other question is, even if, if you assume for a second that this whole structure we have just discussed um, was re had been real, I mean, we now know it, it was pure fantasy, didn't exist in that way. But even wow. if it had been real, you could ask, why, well, why is this money on these escrow accounts counted as cash on Wirecard's um, balance sheet? <laughs> Because, I mean, first of all, the money was purpose-bound. It was supposed to, to shield those TPAs from, from the risk related to these transactions. Right. And um, there are significant, significant doubt, even if, so, I mean, we know now the money never existed and these trustee accounts never existed. Yes. Wirecard is corrupt. But had they, had they, had they existed, um, Wirecard couldn't have used it as cash without, pen, without penalties and, and, and basically instantly um, accessing it. So, um, and, and I right. think that, and, and that was one issue raised by KPMG. I mean, even KPMG wasn't aware in its special audit that these accounts wasn't existing at all. They said, well, look, the documents we obtained by Wirecard aren't good enough. Um, and we can't prove that the money exists, but we also can't prove that the money doesn't exist and that these accounts don't exist. But I mean, even if everything had been, had been as Wirecard explained to EY, why was this counted as, as cash on Wirecard's account? And also, why were those revenues allegedly generated by the, the, uh, these, these outsourcing partners basically count fully consolidated with Wirecard AG, which, and, 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 and we know now that there, there weren't any detailed transaction records and, and it, it was all Wirecard received on a quarterly basis, received an Excel spreadsheet from, from these TPAs. Uh, from these outsourcing partners, summarizing the the uh, transaction volume. So it it was and and, and this was basically exchanged by email by uh, for a company which claimed to to operate with the, the top notch IT um, infrastructure. So it it was all a big joke, and you can really ask why why this didn't raise an eyebrow at at EY at, at an earlier point. You know, sometimes when people speak with enough confidence and they say something thin to brush it over, it people will just say, oh, that makes sense. And then they won't really look into the details. But then once you look into the details, as you're saying, you see all these contradictions. Yeah. So, and what happened in, in, in basically at the, why Wirecard's management was, was fantasizing about taking over Deutsche Bank in November and while KPMG had started to look into, into the Asian accounts, um, they, KPMG 
pretty early on told why I can't look, we need to access um, the original bank documents um, and, and, and yeah. all the documents you, have, you are showing us aren't good enough. And basically the, um, the mastermind of the fraud, we don't, we, I mean, we, we, at the moment, it, I mean, it's pretty likely who those people were, but we, they, they, they haven't been convicted in court, so we, we can't say they, who, who it was in person. Allegedly, um, yeah. But, yeah. but, but um, I mean, those people, the masterminds knew, well, look, this is going to, to explode because we, we have this ongoing audit. They want to see the documents. We, we don't have these documents. How get we out of this, um, out of this um, situation? And what they did after two months, Jan Marsalek then went to EY and KPMG in, early, in, in January 2020 and said, oh, look, we, we have a problem in Singapore. The, the trustee, which so far was working for us, has basically abruptly terminated uh, uh, the business relationship with us. They, uh, this person isn't, isn't responding to any queries from us anymore. And hence, we had to look for a new trustee and, and, and um, went to, to different banks in Asia um, where, where these escrow accounts now have, have been relocated to. And as we know now, that, that was only became aware in, in June, actually. These, we are talking about two banks in the Philippines and a, and a, and a, and a Philippines-based lawyer who was appointed or oh, who who Wirecard in January said was the new trustee, and and it's quite interesting what happened then. So KPMG then said to to Wirecard, fine, show us the documents, show us your con the contract with the new yeah. trustee in the Philippines, show us the background checks you 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 did on this person, um, and it turned out that. In, in late January, there wasn't any contractual um, record between the trustee who was allegedly overseeing 1.9 billion in corporate funds for Wirecard. And, Is Mark and Tolentino? Yes, uh, this Mark Tolentino guy. And, and, and um, there, there was only kind of a, a letter which was signed by, um, by, by Wirecard's different partners, but there wasn't any formal decision by Wirecard's management board. And I mean, and, 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 but, but the company still claimed to have, have basically moved 1.9 billion euros of cash to this person. Wow. And, and Tolentino is alleging identity theft. Yes, alleging I mean, Tolentino is basically yeah. saying he was framed. He um, and and um, he, he and, and and the Philippine um, uh, authorities are at the moment um, uh, investigating his role and, and and the role of other people. But Tolentino has been named in several auditing documents by KPMG and by EY. And Tolentino Bay in 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 May in March um, welcomed. Um, EY and KPMG auditors in his office together with Jan, Jan Marsalek and, and Tolentino then um, showed, um, went to, to the bank branches with, with KPMG and with EY and handed over these, um, these bank documentations of, um, allegedly um, confirming um, the money on these, on these accounts, which we know now uh, were, were spurious. And do you think that Tolentino had clean hands in this? Oh, I can't say. I mean, I, yeah. I, can, uh, I can only describe, I, I, I don't want to second guess um, personal responsibilities here. I can just describe what we know from, from the auditing documents we've seen and from the other records we've seen and from sources. And so, and, and so they, they met, there was also um, another uh, Filipino 
actor, uh, Chris Bauer. Is that right? Yes. Uh, I mean, Chris Bauer, he is an old, <laughs> that's another uh, um, mind-boggling aspect of this whole, um, yeah. this whole saga. So Chris Bauer was, uh, he is an old, he's a German guy who yeah. was living in the Philippines for several years. Um, he was also running a bus, a coach company, a bus company, a tour bus company for tourists, basically in, in the Philippines, okay. which claims to be one of the, or I think they claim to be the biggest tour bus company in the Philippines. And he was also running one of these three, uh, three outsourcing partners, um, which was basically allegedly processing the, the, the uh, credit card transactions for, on behalf of Wirecard. Um, and, and his company, PayEasy, was responsible for several hundred millions um, of, of revenue and also quite a large chunk of Wirecard operating profit, on paper at least. It's quite yeah. unclear how much of this business was real and how much was invented how much if there was business but which maybe didn't end up with Wirecard but the pro proceed didn't end up with Wirecard but maybe but maybe potentially somewhere else and it was allegedly and anyway, a to, to cut a long story short um, sure. uh, this Mr. Bauer uh, was was registered dead um, a few weeks after Wirecard filed for um, filed for its insolvency he was only 40 years old um, allegedly oh he, he, he died from from sepsis and had a boil and which then got infected and, and died in hospital and uh, allegedly was, was cremated within uh, um, a few days after his death. Um, and um, and PayEasy was also, his business was doing some more high risk, quote unquote, transactions. So things like some of uh, Wirecard's transactions for pornography, for gambling. Yeah, the, uh, they, they call it, like they didn't, they don't call it pornography, they call it adult entertainment. Excuse me, yeah, <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, and then gaming, um, so pornography, gaming, um, and, um, and online betting stuff. Um. And so one of the third party, just to summarize really quickly, one of the third parties transacting with Wirecard was a German man named Chris Bauer, who uh, was doing some of the, you know, adult entertainment, gambling, and gaming activity and transactions, and now he's dead. Yes. Well, at least he, the, 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 there's a death certificate issued for him on, on his name. I see. Um, there is a death certificate issued in his name. Okay. Um, <laughs> and we, I mean, we also know that it's, I think we, you, you can obtain a death certificate in the Philippines for something like $50 and, and the corpse costs you another four, $400. So it's, and Philippines <laughs> is one of the countries um, where it's, which are kind of the prime destination to fake your own death. One contact told me, oh, one, one, one per he knows one person who actually died twice on the Philippines <laughs> over the course of 10 years. Um, so, um, I mean, we, we, do, we just don't know. I mean, we, um, we know that the, his, the Chris Bauer's wife um, published a, 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 a published his, his death on Facebook. There was a death um, uh, um, uh, notice published in a German newspaper by his family. So, um, wow. And, and, and his family, um, uh, well, is, 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 um, his, his, his parents talked to German media about his death. So they, uh, and it, 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 it's slightly, I mean, we don't have any evidence that he, this person didn't die, but um, given the circumstances, it's, it's a highly unusual 
um, coincidence, to say the least. Absolutely. And, you know, the fact that uh, Marcellic uh, is uh, still, uh, you know, missing, essentially. Yes. Yes, I mean, he, he was last seen in Munich basically on the day when um, Wirecard uh, um, announced that EY wouldn't sign off its 2019 results um, and, and he was um, suspended back then. That's also another funny story. After EY basically said, look, we, the, 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 the bank documents, the, the banks in the Philippines told us, told EY that the bank documents are spurious and that these accounts don't yeah. exist. The supervisory board I mean, you would expect that the supervisor board at that point then fires um, the CEO and, and the guy responsible for the Asian operations, which, which was Marcelek. But yeah. they didn't fire the CEO, Marcus Brown, on that day. And they didn't even fire Marcelek, but oh Marcelek was only suspended for like 12 days until the end of June. Um, my God. And he, he was seen in, um, in, in Wirecard's um, offices in, on the afternoon of that day. And, and has disappeared uh, ever since. And, and there are different speculations. There was Bellingcat, this investigative portal uh, reporting he, he fled to, to, to Belarus. Um, there, there, there are German outlets, uh, media outlets suggesting he then um, carried on to Russia and, and might be hidden by, and he, he Marcelik also had quite a lot of connections into the secret, the, the secret service world. So he, he had connections to the Austrian secret service and also potentially to, or pro most probably to the Russian secret service. And there's this oh theory God. that he's now hidden by, by the Russian secret service um, somewhere close to Moscow. We don't have our, our own sourcing on this, but um, it's, quite a, it's quite a story in many different ways, yeah. So after the KPMG and uh, EY both are looking at this Philippine, Filipino activity, and one of the... Uh, the one of the banks in the Philippines says that these documents are spurious, and that's kind of the moment when Marcelik leaves. Is that is that what you said? Yes. Um, well, that, that, that we are talking about he leaves basically uh, two days after, or one one and a half days afterwards. So in on 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 June, we know from documents we've seen that on June sixteenth, the EY learned from the banks in the Philippines that those documents were spurious. Um, then told the supervisory board and, and the executive board and also Germany's financial regulators. Um, and then for, 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 for one and a half days, there were frantic uh, things going on behind the scenes. Wirecard, so Marcelek and Braun always said, oh, this is just a big misunderstanding. The money is there, it's all real, don't worry, yeah, we, we yeah. sort it out. Um, and then on, on June 18th, basically the last day when after, after Wirecard, the publication of Wirecard's accounts had been postponed for like three or four times. Normally, they, they were, they had, Wirecard had been obliged to publish them by late April, by the end of April. And we are now in, in mid-June, end of June, and, and, and the 2019 results were still not published. Um, that was basically the day, the day when everything um, well, came to a to a close um and leading up to that is there there was allegations or there was suspicion that uh in some of the report that there were people who were posing as employees uh it wouldn't there so they're asking for photos of identification of bank employees 
EY yes, was. so what happened after, so in, in early, early March, basically EY and KPMG had visits set up in the Philippines where they met uh, the new trustee, Tolentino, where they also met, um, went to the, to, to the branches of those banks where the trustee accounts were allegedly held, talked to employees. Those employees actually handed over documents and, and told uh, EY and KPMG, yeah, it's all fine and the money is held in, on behalf of Wirecard. Um, and um, at, at after the KPMG report was published and all these questions were raised, um, EY then, which was still auditing the 2019 result of Wirecard took a closer yeah. look and because of the pandemic then being um, at, at full swing they couldn't travel to the Philippines anymore and they did video calls with um, with, with the, the banks and asked the bank employees to basically show their identities into to the camera and then while these calls were ongoing EY was starting to check out these people on on social media and couldn't couldn't find any of them which is quite unusual especially wow. for Asian people so and um, so some people several people told us that the suspicion is that these people who were posing as or who who were acting as bank employees might have been paid actors who uh, potentially were also sitting in, in mock-up bank branches. Um, oh my God. Might have been paid by, yeah, by, by the masterminds of the fraud. All kind of fell apart on June 16th uh, and the subsequent days thereafter. Uh, how uh, has FT been? And what is the, where do you all sit in you know kind of the in the aftermath of this i think the key the eft's key role in, and that this is dense and and then then mccrum's and paul murphy's work so my colleagues in london mm -hmm. key, the key role is basically to, to 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 get access to the whistleblowers dig through these tons of documents find the inconsistencies in 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 the accounting and basically raise these questions which then triggered the KPMG um, investigation, which then triggered EY to take much closer looks than they did in, in previous years into, into this. Um, yeah. And um, I mean, afterwards, we, 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 we did quite a lot of reporting about how, I mean, quite, for instance, EY, even in early June, was, was signaling to, to Wirecard that they were uh, preparing an un unqualified all-clear audit uh, provided uh, Wirecard would 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 meet certain conditions. Um, so um, and 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 other stuff. Um, but, wow. but the key role was basically Dan's and Paul's work in, in the run-up to the um, uh, to the investigate to the KPMG investigation. I had heard from someone uh, that Dan was offered, or someone I don't know if it's Dan necessarily, but someone was offered some money to keep the story quiet. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, Paul Murphy, the, the head of the um, investigative um, unit in London, was basically approached or heard by, by somebody from uh, in, within the London short selling uh, scene that um, people were willing to pay him money to, um, to basically stop, stop the reporting. What happened then was basically <clears throat> a meeting between Paul 
um, and and some other colleagues. Who, Paul was co totally wired up, so everything was recorded with Jan Marcelek and and some other people working for Marcelek at a restaurant in London. Wow. Um, and and but they never Wirecard ne or Marcelek never actually um, made this offer in. in by himself, so it's it. In theory, it it, it might be um, possible that that this was um, that this middleman who who approached Paul was basically making it up, or um, potentially um, Marcel. That was a trap, and try and, and trying to to basically um, make Paul ask for it, which he didn't, and then basically leak these recordings to somebody to trying to, to to set a trap to to uh, oh. dft um that's not quite clear but there there was quite quite a lot of um really unbelievable stuff going going on um yeah to say the to least run up to this yeah yeah absolutely um and so where does wirecard sit now well, I mean, it's it's insolvent. Um, they they yeah. are sitting on three point two billion of debt. Wow. Um, most of this will will be will be lost. Um, so um, the administrator at the moment estimates that the Wirecard assets are just worth about four hundred million. Oh my god! So, um, and 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 all the creditors basically brace themselves for for significant losses. Um, the administrator is trying to to sell the the good part of Wirecard. It, it, they they conclude early on that it, it's impossible to basically restructure the the entity as it is. Mm -hmm. They've sold the first bit. They've sold um, operations in Brazil. They've sold assets in the UK, but um, and and and. and Negotiations about selling Wirecard Bank and other uh, units are, are ongoing, but it's pretty clear that um, the, the, what they will, um, the, the cash they will uh, get from these divestments, will be nothing close to to the to the debt Wirecard has accumulated. Maybe Deutsche Bank will buy it. Actually, um, Deutsche Bank was looking to buy uh, into buying Wirecard Bank. <laughs> um, but they uh, they they walked back from this idea, and and they, they actually they have hired a few people from Wirecard, um, but wow. um, wow. who who people working on in in the legitimate part of the business. I have to uh -huh. say, so not, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, because I mean, payment is an interesting um, business in itself. Electronic payment, but but use of cash going down and, and electronic payment becoming ever more important and it's yeah. an area where Deutsche Bank wants to grow which is probably um, strategically not a, not, a, not a totally idiotic idea um, mm -hmm. and um, yeah but and, and Deutsche um, looked into buying Wirecard Bank but but decided against it well this is an amazing story and uh, you know congratulations for all the work that you've done uh, on uncovering this I'm sure for you and um, your colleagues, this is, uh, you know, one of the stories of your career that you will remember most. Uh, well, is there anything else that you can think of, Olaf? I think we've covered basically uh, most of the um, uh, important aspects. I mean, uh, we, we could talk for, for a day and not, not touch all of the um, <laughs> <laughs> interesting and funny aspects, but I think we've covered um, uh, the most important bits and the most well, amazing ones. Yeah, I would love to uh, get into an off the record conversation sometime about, uh, you know, who Chris Bauer became, you know, where Marcelek is hiding, 
uh, and all these more uh, kind of salacious stuff sometime. Mm. Uh, but yeah, but uh, in the meantime, thank you so much for, for your time and uh, really appreciate you, you uh, talking with us today. This is just yeah, no an, amazing, I, I, an amazing story. I hope it was useful, maybe a little bit. Um, I mean, it's such a complex story. It's difficult to, to describe it even in, in one and a half hours. Yeah, yeah, no. I, you know what, uh, for people who don't understand that, uh, uh, too bad for them, Tell, you know, they'll have to go read a book. Um, <laughs> uh, well, uh, anyways, thanks again, uh, and uh, have a good one. Okay, cheers. Cheers, bye-bye.